If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On today's episode, what Brody has learned from plantar fasciitis. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back to the final episode of this series of what I have learned from all my injuries in the past. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say all of my injuries because I have had a lot more, but uh, what I could build into an episode you could call. <laughs> uh, this will be the last episode, solo episode of me um, educating you guys or at least sharing what I've learned. And then on Friday, we're going to have Dr. Kieran O'Sullivan on who is a researcher, lecturer, and physiotherapist specializing in low back pain. And so we'll enjoy that on Friday. Had an interview with him, actually recorded it last week. Super, super fascinating. It is smack bang in line with the ethos of this podcast, sharing and sharing knowledge, busting myths. And there are a lot when it comes to low back pain. And I'll explain it in the episode, but... Uh, not necessarily, running doesn't necessarily cause back pain. It's fairly rare that running would, but low back pain is very, very prevalent amongst the general population. So the odds that someone with low back pain would be a runner is quite high. And so you guys will benefit a lot from it. Then next month throughout December, I'm actually doing a, um, a theme and we're going to be what I'm calling recovery month. And I have set up a whole bunch of people to interview. Might do one or two solo episodes myself, but it's all going to be emphasizing the recovery component. A lot of runners want to do two things. They want to increase their running performance or they want to decrease their risk of injury. And both of those equations, if you wanted to try and achieve both of those um, topics, you're going to have to really learn how to emphasize your recovery, learn what the science shows, learn how you can best measure recovery. And that's what I am going to set out to do throughout December. So that's going to be recovery month. Get excited. I still have two episodes throughout November that I will fill in. I think I might do some um, stories of what uh, some like lived experiences of people with certain conditions. So stay tuned for that. And then we'll dive into recovery month. 
an update on my foot pain. <laughs> this was going to be like just touching base on my 5k journey, trying to get a 5k personal best, or at least my goal of getting it in under 20 minutes. But um, yeah, that's been put on the back burner now while I had this foot injury. There was like earlier this week, it went away and I was doing all the right things. I think last episode I was talking that uh, uh, talking about me more convinced that it was more of a muscle strain rather than like a stress fracture or something serious. And I decided to do some intrinsic strengthening of my foot and start doing a little bit more um, specific foot strengthening. And then it just went away. And I thought I had overcome it. I thought I was a lot better. I probably went about two days pain-free. And so, yep, told my brother, told my girlfriend, look, it's, it's all better. It's gone away. And I ran seven Ks and then it slowly came back and I'm like, okay, maybe it hasn't complete. No, I ran eight Ks. Perhaps it hasn't completely healed. But then I went and did some weighted single leg calf raises, which I suspected caused it in the first place. And now my foot's been achy for, um, well, it's definitely more achy than usual yesterday. So at least I found the primary cause and my suspicions last episode are now more confirmed, I guess. Um, my ideas are solidified now and I'll just be more cautious with that in the future. When I did return back to those single leg calf raises, it was probably about 60, 70% of what I was initially. So still making the smart decisions of slowly building back up into what I thought was going to be what originally aggravated my foot pain. But yeah, I'm just trial, trial and error is what I say a lot of times on this podcast and just learning and making the right decisions as I move forward. So this series is just goes to show that even the people with all the knowledge can sometimes get injured. It's what we do once we are injured that makes us, allows us to bounce back a lot quicker and doesn't drag on and inhibit our recovery. I'm very happy at the moment with how I'm managing this and how I'm learning throughout this journey. And I'm still managing to maintain my fitness throughout. I'm still doing some longer distances, still doing some hard bike sessions, still staying strong in the gym. I actually went for a swim last week for the first time in probably about eight months, which um, was nice. And yeah, so continuing, uh, continuing along the way. So far in this series, I started running and a couple of weeks or within the first few weeks of me running, had a lot of calf tightness, a lot of Achilles stiffness and that's what we walked through for the first episode then pretty soon after that I developed my old uh, patella tendinopathy injury from my old basketball days overcame that relatively quickly went through my half marathon attended my full marathon after the full marathon went into triathlons and got a proximal hamstring tendinopathy so we talked through that in the last couple of years comes and goes on and off the patellofemoral pain, which was last episode. Now we're going to talk today, which you'll probably know. It's going to be no surprise because it's the title of the episode, plantar fasciitis. And this, like I, I did a bit of a list of other injuries that I haven't mentioned in this series. One was a hip flexor issue, which is, was in the first, I think maybe three or four months of me becoming a runner, just doing too many hills and just lifting up my legs. My hip flexors were working a bit too hard, but just my body adapted without any really specific rehab training. It just got better and my body adapted to that. I have had what I suspect are minor causes or a minor case of compartment syndrome. Like my feet on both sides would go 
really numb and really achy the longer I ran, um, especially in winter. And then all it took was me just to stand still for a couple of minutes. It completely alleviated and then I was good to go again. Uh, I was going to talk about that, but didn't think there was enough substance there. I might do an episode on compartment syndrome down the track. Uh, there was also my Pezan Serenus, which if you wanted to go back to episode 55, I talk about me overcoming that and sort of talking myself, talking through the entire journey of me overcoming my Pez and Serenus tendinopathy, which I had for around five or six years and just made really smart decisions and overcame that. That hasn't come back since, so very happy with that. Uh, countless calf strains in the past. My current foot pain is also there and I have had low back pain from playing basketball, from just doing, I've just had a history of low back pain, which I've managed very well since I became a runner. But yeah, that's pretty much a complete list of all the injuries that I've had to date, which is a lot. And it goes to show that even physios get injured. And even when I was a physio, when I started becoming a runner, I made so many poor decisions. And it wasn't until I really dug deep into the research and really started committing to educating um, runners about making smart training decisions, I started doing it myself. And I feel like I am training really smart and seeing you aren't a template so your training shouldn't be either the motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule abilities and goals it's such a good idea which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating it will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. Benefits from that. So that's my journey today. That's the, the injury list. Um, Especially if we're talking about past episodes, when it comes to season one, I always recommend people go back to season one, the universal principles of overcoming any running injury that they're just lessons that everyone needs to know. If you haven't gone to season one, please go back. I've been talking to a lot of you guys and all of you do seem to be starting at episode one. So it's absolutely fantastic, uh, especially for this topic. Uh, go back to episode, I think it's number eight. It's rest, not always best. Avoiding the pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral. Plantar fasciitis is a key one with this downward spiral. And I see it very often. Um, a lot, a lot of my runners that I do see that come in with plantar fasciitis have had it for sometimes six months, 12 months, several years. And you can uh, get them to talk through their history. And in most cases, there'll be a clear sign of as they talk through the months and months of having it, the capacity for that plantar fascia to tolerate certain loads just diminishes, 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 diminishes until it's tough standing still for longer than 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's tough walking barefoot at all. And yeah, it's quite nasty. If you're not familiar with that concept, please go back to episode eight. Uh, I also came up with a bit of a list. Let me bring it up now. If you have, if you're not familiar with these past episodes, um, they will align nicely with this topic. So on episode 19, I talked to Tim Branston, how to keep your feet strong. He's a podiatrist um, up in, I think he's in Queensland. Anyway, um, episode 19, that's where you can find that. The title is Keep Your Feet Strong, 
with podiatrist Tim Branston. Episode 31, I talk about plantar fasciitis, the causes, the diagnosis, and the characteristics. And then I follow that with episode number 32, which is plantar fasciitis rehab, rehabilitation, and prevention. So that will kind of be prior knowledge. I don't want to delve into plantar fasciitis too much on this episode because a lot of people would have already listened to that episode. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but let me tell you about my plantar fasciitis story. So I got new work shoes and I think, oh yeah, my sister bought me new work shoes and I was wearing them for a couple of months and started getting a little bit of a foot ache, a little bit of mild stiffness in the mornings and I'm like, God, what's going on here? Had a feel around. It was definitely in that plantar fasciitis area. And I'm like, my plantar fascia is getting pretty tight here, a little bit sore. So I'm thinking, what have I done in the last couple of weeks with my running or my general load? Standing at work wasn't really increased at all. My running probably didn't increase, but I thought it might've been the running for whatever particular reason. So I did back off my running slightly and just to see how it'd go and it just kept getting worse and I I wasn't too sure. I thought it, surely it was the running because nothing else has changed and I wasn't really thinking of the new work shoes that I got and it wasn't until I think about four or five weeks down the track that it got considerably worse and I was just feeling around through my work shoes and on that side on the same side I was starting to develop this plantar fasciitis, where my heel would be in the shoe, there was like this really hard, kind of like a nut or like a bolt that was directly underneath the heel. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I was kind of pressing my thumb around and it almost looked like a manufacturing error. It was just like this really like very subtle raised bolt, like really hard metal type of thing directly under the heel. And I had a feel on the other shoe and it wasn't there. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And so I, I'm like, this must be what has caused it because it is directly up. It's directly underneath where the plantar fascia attaches onto the heel, exactly where someone would get plantar fasciitis. But the fascia has just now been irritated because of compression and because it's a really firm surface. And I just, it was so subtle that I didn't notice it. I didn't put on my shoes and be like, oh, that's sore. It was just way, way too subtle. And just as the days went on, as the weeks went on, it just continuously got worse and worse and worse. And then once I found out I was wearing those shoes, I got rid of them straight away. Um, but with my physio work, especially at that time, I was still working in clinics. I would wear work shoes, which have kind of those hard um, raised kind of dressy shoes. And I'd spend a lot of my day standing. I would spend most of my day like standing up treating, treating clients. Um, The only time I'd probably sit down would be to do notes, which um, probably all in all throughout the day was maybe about an hour, if not less. But I was attending Pilates classes. I was walking around the gym um, just whenever I'd assess someone or whenever I'd show someone the exercise, I would always be standing and moving around. So a lot of time on your feet. And... uh, This took, once I found out the cause and I swapped out my shoes, it took a long time to overcome, probably took about two or three months. And then last December, that was, I would say that would probably be about two and a half years ago, just guessing, but I'd say it'd be about two and a half years ago. Then last December, so we're talking about 12 months ago, 
uh, it resurfaced. Like my plantar fascia resurfaced and it was due to me standing long periods of time in December when I was still working in um, this clinic. A lot of the physios went on Christmas holidays and they all took annual leave and it was me and one other physio that had to work and that physio was working part-time. So I was essentially like the only full-time physio working there when we usually had four physios and I was just working so hard and constantly on my feet, constantly moving around and not a lot of time to rest. So that made sense because that slowly started resurfacing and um, I'll talk about later on what, what I've actually done to to help that, but I overcome that one um, quite easily. So let me go into my lessons. So the lesson, the first lesson on what Brody learned around plantar fasciitis was this symptom usually comes on very, very gradually. It's a very gradual onset and it's very hard to notice. It's all, it almost seems like you don't notice it until you've had it for several weeks. That's kind of what it feels like because you wake up in the morning, it's, there's like a, a stiffness. It's kind of like you don't even notice it and it dissipates relatively quickly and it can really sneak up on you unless you have like a high body awareness. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, there's that stiffness, but I've had it for, you know, several days. That's okay. It's nothing, nothing new. And then it just, it's very mild. It's very fleeting. It's like, it might not even be pain. It might just be stiffness. And then all of a sudden that stiffness turns into a bit of an annoying ache. And you're like, yeah, that's that stiffness that I've had for a long time. And then it's not until like months and months down the track where you're like, I have had this for so long and it is not getting better. And then it's really quite tough to get better because you've had it for so long. And this is kind of, it's a little bit different to a tendinopathy. Usually tendinopathies, there's a clear sign of an overload in the last like one or two weeks. And you're like, okay, this is why it's flared up. But this one can just be super, super subtle and sneak up on you really, really quickly. And yeah, that's, that's what I've learned and that's what I've seen with clients with um, plantar fasciitis. That's lesson number one. And I just want to delve into episode number two now, which is being mindful of the footwear that you, you have during recovery. And this is the key part. It's just making these smart decisions once you have identified the problem. So earlier in the episode, I, I identified the problem once I found that I had this shoe error. There's like really hard... Um, bolt underneath my heel that was causing this irritation and flaring up my plantar fascia. So I've identified the problem. The next thing that you need to do is think, okay, I'm spending a lot of time on my feet. What sort of footwear would be best? And so obviously once I found those shoes, I removed those shoes and got new ones. Um, so that was a no brainer, but I also got inside those new shoes some gel heel caps like it's almost like an insole that slides in doesn't offer any support all it is is just like a a blue kind of gel and it helps dissipate a lot of the load that goes underneath your heels and i found this is quite beneficial and there's even some research to show that people who do strengthening and also are prescribed these gel inserts in the short term they do really really well and so i highly recommend that for people with plantar fasciitis that do have quite an irritable presentation so during if they're spending a lot of time on their feet towards the end of the day if they're really achy and really sore and they feel a bit stiff i'd highly recommend these gel inserts or yeah these inlays so um that's what i did initially i swapped out my shoes i put in these gel things and then i was just really mindful when i was walking around 
and if I was particularly if I was standing still, how I was distributing my weight, and I was making sure that it was even weight from heel to toe. If I had to stand still, if anything, I was putting a little bit more weight on the front of my feet, so the forefoot, to take a little bit of load off the heels. And I also had the gel inserts underneath that as well. So that helped, like, if we're talking about the whole daily accumulation of compression and load through that plantar fascia, that was slowly starting to diminish as I was being more mindful of what I was doing. Um, so mindful of that. The uh, What else do I have written down here? We had the being mindful of your shoes. You can have those gel heels underneath. You can be very mindful of the load that you put through your plantar fascia during the day if you can substitute your standing for sitting that's a lot better but a lot of times with people's career um, their job description it's it's mostly unavoidable like if you're a chef you can't really sit down while you're cooking and if you're a nurse or uh, um, caring for someone it's really hard just to take a break and take a load off so if you have to stand being mindful of where you're distributing the load and so pay really close attention to that um say with when it came to uh, me taking pilates classes as soon as i had a pilates class i took my shoes off and walked around barefoot one because it's more acceptable in the workplace to have your shoes off during a pilates class and i would often um, walk around on carpet or on the yoga mats when i was with my shoes off and so that gave my plantar fascia a bit of variety and helped all in all, just like start healing, start generating something because I'm taking a little bit of a load off. So there were the smart decisions I was making throughout the day um, of that. And so the the running stayed pretty consistent because that wasn't flaring up at all. If there was a day where I had to spend a lot of time on my feet and my heels would be particularly irritated, when it was time for a run the next day, I'd wear more supportive shoes. I'd wear ones with a higher heel drop. If um, I don't think I ever wore ones with a gel insert inside the shoe, but I was just mindful of that, knowing that the running itself wasn't directly contributing to a flare-up, but it could if I was to accumulate it with too much standing. So I was being really mindful of making smart decisions that way. So keep that in mind. Um, also, another thing to keep in mind, just that pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral. And when it comes to like long-term use of orthotics and long-term use of like really supportive shoes or those gel inserts, making sure that they are only a short-term solution. They're only there in the short term to settle down symptoms and they're never a complete, like it's never the only solution that's going to help you long-term because all that's going to happen is you're going to create support. It's going to feel a lot better, but the structure is going to become a, a lot weaker so don't become too reliant on these gel inserts and these orthotics or really supportive shoes. Make sure we slowly wean off those. They will feel better initially, but we need to implement some strengthening and some long-term strategies and slowly wean off those supportive um, devices. So keep that in mind as well. Um, so secondly, that was initially when I had my plantar fascia. And then like I described before, when it came to around about December, I had another resurface of this as I was increasing my workload. So immediately I got rid of my dressy shoes with those hard heels. I'm like, I've had enough of these wearing these uh, throughout the day. And 
a lot of my colleagues weren't even wearing these dressy shoes. They were wearing more casual shoes. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to jump ship and just start wearing more comfortable shoes. Sometimes if it was this, when this resurface happened, I got those gel inserts again, put them in my new comfortable shoes and just again, became more aware of my load throughout the day, started making those decisions, started taking off my shoes during Pilates classes, started shifting my load to more of my forefoot if I had to stand still and learned from my past experience of having plantar fasciitis. And pretty soon um, the work schedule returned back to normal as we were getting more physios coming back from annual leave. And we were just, uh, it just slowly got back to normal. And it took probably about six weeks to slowly start to get back to normal. And it was just very, very gradual. And like I said, it's like the onset is very gradual. So it, it's very, very gradual to realize that it's getting better. But how did I reach this, this conclusion? How did I know that it was getting better? So this takes me to lesson number three, which is finding a consistent task to reassess the irritation. And we can take a wider scope of this from and apply it to any other injury as well. We need to find a test that we can reassess almost every day just to see if it's same, see if it's worse, see if it's better than what it has been in the last couple of days. So mine was the first steps in the morning, and this can be very consistent with people with plantar fasciitis. We want to see, okay, what's the pain level when I first get out of bed and I first start walking around? So I get that information, but then I'll also try and establish how long does it take for it to settle? Does it take two minutes? Does it take 10 minutes? Um, so just gathering those two bits of information can be very useful for me to realize whether what I'm doing is working or not. And back to lesson one, when I was talking about uh, it can come on, this plantar fascia can come on really, really gradually. The same thing can be said with it getting better. It can take a really long time to start noticing if what you're doing is working. So it's not necessarily a day by day, wake up every morning and see if it's better. It almost can be like a week by week. And that's exactly what happened with me. Um, you could be doing everything right and not notice that it's improving if you just focus on the day by day. Focus on the week by week, especially when it comes to plantar fasciitis. And again, it goes back to our universal principles in season one, which is observing pain over 24 hours. We want to make sure that what we do in our daily loads, with our running, with our exercise, we want to make sure that the symptoms 24 hours after that bout of activity is um, going to measure our symptoms 24 hours after to see if what we're doing is effective. But yeah, just really, really um, be patient with this one. I think I, it was almost like every Monday I'd wake up and be like, okay, if I can remember back to the Monday before, am I heading in the right direction? If the answer was yes, I'd just continue doing what I had been doing the week before. So another thing to keep in mind, if you listened to my um, Pez and Serenus episode of overcoming that, you would know that I retest myself a lot of times with loading up that tendon just to see if what I was doing helped. Um, for my patella tendon, I think I was doing wall squats or something to that effect to find out if what I was doing was working. So that again was my reassessment tool. Um, I talked, well, I listening to Tom Goom and listening to a lot of his videos I think it was on high hamstring tendinopathy. He had a client that did the moisturizer test and it was every morning she would put her foot up on the bench and lean forward to moisturize her legs. And 
just document what her stiffness and pain felt like in her high hamstring when she leant forward to do to moisturize her legs. So she called this her moisturizer test. And this is just a clear example of something that you can do that you can measure and just observe over time to see if what you're doing is effective or not. See if the pain levels are starting to reduce and see if the levels of stiffness or how long it hangs around for what, um, yeah, just have a really consistent test every time just to see if what you're doing is working. So they are my three lessons that I have for today. Lesson number one for plantar fasciitis, just know that this is a symptom that comes on really, really gradually, can really sneak up on you if you don't have this high body awareness. Lesson number two, being really mindful of your footwear during the recovery. So swapping out your shoes, putting in some gel, heel, um, some gel inserts underneath your heels, being really mindful of applying load throughout the day. And then just number three, having a really consistent test or task just to reassess yourself, just to see if what you're doing is working, especially when it comes to plantar fasciitis, because it's so gradual to get better, we do need a really consistent test. So I hope you have found that insightful. Hopefully you haven't had plantar fasciitis, but perhaps you've had an injury in the past where these lessons have applied to you as well. Get ready for Friday when we interview Kieran O'Sullivan. He is super knowledgeable. You're going to really, really love this episode. And um, yeah, I guess this would be the end of the series. I'll, I'll back up this with some good episodes next week, which will carry us over into December, which I said is going to be recovery month. I'm super excited for that. I hope you guys are excited as well. And we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Run Smarter Podcast. I hope you can see the impact this content has on your future running. If you appreciate the mission this podcast is creating, it would mean a lot to me if you submit a rating and review. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and get instant notifications when a new episode comes out. If you want to learn quicker, then join our Facebook group by searching the podcast title. If you want to take your learning to the next step, including injury prevention principles, injury-specific insights, and modules to boost your running performance, then head to our website by searching runsmarter.online and jump into our Run Smarter online course. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.